Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of National Pastime. I'm John, joined as always by Toaster. And in today's episode, we're going to dive into one of the more interesting salary cap situations in the entire NFL. The Atlanta Falcons, who you may have heard, are looking to trade their star wide receiver, Julio Jones. So we get into uh, sort of how the Falcons got here and why they need to move on from Julio Jones. It's not a matter of if they want to, it's a matter of them having to. So uh, we'll also get into their uh, potential trade partners and which teams make sense and uh, ultimately give our picks for where we think Julio might go. So um, thanks for tuning in and let's get into it. All right, Toaster. So the cap this year was depressed because of COVID and the impact that it had on revenues last year for the only thing depressed because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else was great though. Yeah. To, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, the cap was, uh, much lower than teams were expecting. And, uh, that put a lot of teams in a really tough situation this year and, or this off season. And uh, the saints were probably the most talked about team. Um, because, because the number was so big, it was a hundred million that they had to cut from their from their roster. Uh, so it seems like a, a an astronomical amount, but we can get into the details later as to why they're actually in a better situation than a lot of other teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I think just to throw a couple numbers at it too for anybody that's not aware, um, the cap was expected. Uh, it it'd been going on this pace for the last few years, where I believe it gone up about ten million every year the last i don't know three four or five years is, does that sound right to you yeah yeah um similar to our podcast trajectory uh we're, we're allowed to make the projections so uh yeah we're on a we're on a steady 10 million per year incremental growth rate oh nice okay i like that uh so i believe the cap was expected to be about 210 million dollars uh this year so Unfortunately for teams, uh, the final number ended up being 182.5 million. So uh, significantly less, um, it, which if you think about like how teams have been building their teams out essentially for the last few years, expecting it to go up, you know, by increments of 10 million, it's, it's easy to give out certain backloaded contracts and, and do different things. Um, and how you're you're spending your money, but then all of a sudden you get hit this year, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Well, how how are we going to get cap compliant? And um, again, the Saints the Saints were the most egregious example. Like you said, they were needed to clear like a hundred million dollars, uh, but quietly the Falcons were in close R to our end. Yeah, uh, a, a worse spot, and. Um, they really don't have a lot of moves that they can make. So they've already restructured Matt Ryan. Um, they converted all but 2 million of his salary this year into a signing bonus, spread it out over the remainder of his deal. So um, it doesn't hurt them this year. It, it was really their only big money move that they could have made. Well, and that's what I don't understand is people look at this contract restructuring as a commitment to Matt Ryan, and it's not a commitment to Matt Ryan. It's a necessity. They freed up yeah. $21 million and they still don't have enough money to sign their draft class. So there was nothing they could have done, but throw more money down the road 
at Matt Ryan and Thomas Dimitrov left them with their hands tied in this situation. I, I, how we let it get this bad, I don't know, but there was no choice but to essentially restructure Ryan's contract and put guaranteed salary into bonus money and spread that over three years rather than taking it all up front. Yeah. And if you look at his deal right now, um, he's they're they're really, they're definitely locked into him for uh, obviously committed this year. Definitely next year, his, his cap number next year is almost $49 million. Um, set to take up 24% of their cap. And then the, I agree that they're locked into him now. They shouldn't have been locked into him. Uh, and again, we can get into that after their other poor decisions, but they're locked yeah. in at 49 million as a cap number through June one, but we'll get into the flexibility, the difference between pre June one and post June one and Matt moving on from Matt Ryan next year was absolutely what the take should have been for Terry Fontenot, especially coming into a team where you get carte blanche as far as I'm concerned as a GM. And if you want to make radical roster moves and turn the turn the franchise on its head, you get that opportunity in the first one, two years. You don't get that yeah. opportunity once you've, you know, done a like Jerry Licht. Like he's going to just fall on a sword once Tom Brady's done and say, Guess what? I was here for I was here for Super Bowls. Bill Belichick said it last year. We were all in on winning Super Bowls. So we took yeah. a we took a gap year and now we're spending money in free agency and moving on. They did the wrong thing as the yeah. Falcons in in investing in a solely investing in a 37 year old quarterback. That's I'm not going to say he's on his decline, but uh, guess what their record is over the last eight years with Matt Ryan at the helm. How many total games? Yeah. Uh, 128 total games. I mean, like off the top of my head, I, I would think around 500, uh, but oh, what's, I what's I the actual that's number? Pretty, I think that's pretty common because Matt Ryan set himself up for that expectation. He had five winning seasons in his first five years. In the last eight years, he's had two winning seasons. They're at 57 Eesh. and 71, two playoff appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, but that's not something that you're saying, okay, the only difference between this team succeeding and failing from us going four and 12 and us competing for a Super Bowl against Tom Brady is Kyle Pitts. That's not the answer. Yeah. So uh, I think the, the most egregious thing about this is you're, you're investing, you're essentially locking a roster in place to some degree. And I don't think there's any question that it's an imperfect roster in the division that has the defending Super Bowl champs. So uh, you're right. Uh, they they definitely made the wrong move. And I, I think that's a good segue into uh, the draft to me, uh, you know, was kind of the big uh, move there that they should have gone a different direction and could have changed their outlook over the next few years. But no question, Kyle Pitts is awesome. Um, you know, yeah, what, he'll, one he'll of be, he'll be successful. He's a he's a freak of nature. Uh, and I, I don't I, I want him to have the most success. Honestly, I'm I would be a little disappointed if with that frame at that position, if he's not able to achieve tremendous trajectories, Gronkowski style, Kittle style, K Kelsey style. Yeah. Um, but 
was that where your team was lacking? You had Hayden Hurst still on a cheap contract. Is that the difference for you? Yeah. I, I mean, how many teams in the league, like is the tight end the difference maker for them? Is that the piece that puts them over the top? I mean, we're talking about a team that won, what, four games last year? I mean, um, it, well, I mean, you could also always go back to the Patriots and the asterisks that they achieved. And you say Rob Gronkowski was what made that team for the last, you know, six years. Um, just that mismatch down the seam. Um, but the offense wasn't the Falcons problem, or yeah. at least competing on offense was not the problem. And Matt Ryan's contract is now a problem because you're looking at 50 plus million next year, 50 million essentially in cap hit next year. And to do anything to maneuver into into the ability to actually sign somebody next year you're looking at kicking the 2023 number up from 43 million so anything you do to save money next year is just pushing you closer and closer to 50 the year after so i'm going to throw a couple numbers out here i know we don't we don't want to just inundate ourselves with number but right now 50 five players make up 50 percent of the cap for the atlanta falcons matt ryan julio jones grady jarrett jake matthews dante fallier jr guess what that goes up to next year how much? 62%. If you count the top five players on the roster, the funny part about that is Dante Fowler's not on the roster yesterday. That's a vo that's a void year. So you're taking 4.7 million in dead cap money. Their oh. actual top five players on the roster make up 72% of the cap. Dion John Gion Jones's cap number goes from 8.6 to 18 million next year. And if you want to pay Calvin Ridley, which I'm also assuming you want to do. That means your top six players, 78% of the cap, 78% on a team that went four and 12 last year with no major moves and yeah, you're committing that, that much wild. money. That is wild. And they had an out and well, somewhat of an out and could have gone Justin Fields at four, um, gotten out of Matt Ryan you know, if not this year, the next year. And, but are you competing so, this year? You're going up against Tom Brady. Do you really think your roster right now, right with Kyle Pitts, puts you as a Super Bowl contender? You're in the NFC South. I think the Saints are still a wild card in that. I'm not expecting tremendous things from Jameis Winston, but I'm not, I'm not expecting that offense to fall flat on its face either. And you're just not there competing. So you take this gap year. You yeah. allow Justin uh, Justin Fields to develop and say, guess what? Once Tom Brady finally retires for the sake of the NFL, he hopefully does that someday, then you're ready to go with somebody that's got a year, two years under their belt. Yep. And in my opinion, Julio Jones is someone that helps develop a quarterback. Yeah. And given the rookie scale, and uh, granted, he, he would be making a little bit more... Uh, you know, selected it with the fourth pick, then, uh, you know, the bears are paying him, uh, going 11, but, but the same, but the same amount of money that they're paying Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I think the, the difference there, right. Is that you're getting that discount at the quarterback position. Um, Kyle Pitts is immediately one of, you know, the, the top paid top, tight ends, top seven played tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's the, the value there is a little different, you know, going back to our discussion, uh, 
about positional value and first round specifically. So, um, yeah, a hundred percent that the move should have been Justin Fields and it, especially now when you consider the, the predicament they're in with Julio. So, uh, Julio Jones is been all in the news. Um, you know, as, as a trade chip, I think it really started around the draft, didn't it? The noise about that. It did, but that's because their contract situation is so poor. Julio's the only one with any value in a trade that they yeah. can move on from. And the reason that there wasn't big news at the draft was because they can't move on to him until post-June 1. Yeah. So his situation, well, I guess just to recap where the Falcons are at as of today. So they have the third least amount of cap space in the league Um with they're at about four hundred and ten thousand dollars, third uh, third lowest from an actual cap standpoint. But when you throw in what they actually need to sign, they're almost six million over the cap. Yeah, uh, their effective cap space is the worst in the league, almost seven million dollars um, over. So, like you said, it, that kind of means they, they need to move some stuff around and their only real move, like you pointed out, is Julio Jones, um, at, at least for creating any sort of significant cap space. But like you said, they're, they're stuck in this hole because um, pre-June 1, if they, if they trade him or uh, cut him, it actually costs them money to send him away. So um, as does their next, what one, two, three, four, eight next contracts, they have no yes. flexibility. That's, this is the difference between the Falcons cap situation and the saints situation. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, but you go post June one now and a trade post June one it's still, there's still dead cap money there. So uh, he still would account for almost $8 million on their cap, but saves them 15.3 million. So uh, that's the big move. It's really the only big move that they can make. And like you said, they weren't able to pull it off at the draft because they had to wait till June one, but really that you go back then and look at their decision on draft night to go with Kyle Pitts and not Justin Fields. And it, it makes this even more crazy. It makes it really dumb from what they actually pulled off because now you're in a situation where you're essentially forced to get rid of Julio Jones, which doesn't necessarily scream win now. And if you're not going to win now, then why didn't you go for the quarterback? So exactly. it, it's just competing ideologies here with uh, their last few big moves, talking about Matt Ryan, talking about the decision to uh, draft Kyle Pitts. And now, uh, what's very likely going to happen, right? Is them having to move on from Julio Jones. So uh, all of this to say that they are royally fucked. And now we get to see the Julio Jones trade market play out, which, you know, it's a little well, exciting. And actually. I just don't, I just don't get the lack of pivot. I, I can completely understand them seeing the three teams ahead of them, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the 49ers, and say, okay, Lawrence, Wilson, and Fields are going to be off the board by number four. We're not taking our chance on on Lance, even though since you basically have to have Ryan on your roster anyways, wouldn't be a bad, again, gap year to have him develop a t behind an MVP level mm -hmm. caliber quarterback. Um, but once Fields is on the board at number four, you have to take that pick. 
Yeah. It 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 sucks that you honestly, if it was me, I wouldn't I would completely steer into the curb and say, we're keeping Julio Jones at his outrageous $23 million cap number. And guess what? I'm just gonna cut Grady Jarrett post June yeah. one. Later. We're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna win games, but we're gonna be in shootouts and you know, fifty to fifty every game and just let fields see more and more action. The other element of this too, um, you know, not a huge consideration and should not be, but um, Justin Fields is from Georgia. Okay. The, the hometown kid, he did already like abandon Georgia one time, but well, that had more to do with the Georgia's Georgia coaching staff's love of Jake Fromm than uh, I think his Jake his Fromm desire. Like the first round, right? Yeah, yeah. He's okay. uh, he's starting for. Oh no, wait. He's where is he actually? <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna make a joke, but I'm like, uh, is he actually on a roster right now? I know he is, but he's he's definitely on a roster. Buffalo, I thought. So he's Jake Fromm is third string behind. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> they also have Davis Webb on that roster too. So, uh, yeah. Uh, needless to say, I, I think George was probably regretting the fact that they uh, weren't more reluctant, or they were reluctant to move on from uh, Jake Fromm in favor of Justin Fields. So that's but two anyway. Georgia teams now that are going to regret not investing in Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually a good call. So, uh, I, that storyline to me, uh, you know, would have, that would have been awesome. And I don't know how many, uh, jerseys they've sold of Kyle Pitts, but I know less Justin than Tim Tebow, yeah, less than Tim Tebow for sure. I think everybody's trailing him. Uh, I don't know what that says about us as a society, but, uh, <laughs> Justin Fields is second in Jersey sales for rookies overall. And uh, obviously the Chicago market helps that, but, I think putting him in his hometown team in Atlanta, which is not a small market, and you're probably in a similar situation. And like from a equity building standpoint with the fan base, that's that's clutch. And well, they just well, and take, that taking him up. doesn't necessarily even mean a, a rebuild is coming. I mean, yeah. you're again, offense was not the problem. I guess they, they did have a poor red zone. Uh, offense and that's always been a knock on Julio that he's not scoring touchdowns but that's not where your problem was it was on defense and that's why I say cutting your over completely overpaid interior defensive lineman is just saying we're we're gonna go all out on offense and defense be damned we'll see what what we could do and this was with Dan Quinn like this was a, a defensive head defensive coach. coach yeah and they were not successful on that side of the ball so let's just deal with what we've got let's plan for the future because Matt Ryan's had a sub 500 record over the last eight years yeah that's not going to tip the scales in your favor especially when again you never there's a difference between tanking and developing and this is yeah. a perfect time for atlanta to develop when they're in it, it's, it's take the lions right you're not going to say we're going to go all out and we're going to take on aaron Rodgers this year right like right. you know you know your place in the division it's not number one you can compete for number two you can be competitive with number one but you're not at that 
tipping the scale standpoint. So let's build for the future. We had to do what we needed to get contract space with Matt Ryan. And then you kind of post June one next year and you save 24 million against the cap. Yeah. And just looking at their situation right now too. So, um, their total, so their projected cap space for next year is a little over $6 million. That's with 40 players under contract. And you, you know, you went into those top guys, the percentage of the cap that they take up, but the breakdown between offense and defense too, of that hundred and 97 let's call it uh total cap liabilities 127 of that is on the offensive side of the ball so you already have a bad defensive team and you basically have zero opportunity next year now to improve on that side of the ball as well so well, there and let's let's fucks. go into it because the reason that you have to move julio jones now is because all of their contracts don't have flexibility in a pre-June 1 standpoint. So any yeah. of those players that are on their roster next year, you're in the same exact position. Outside of Grady Jarrett, you could cut him and save, I want to say it's about $16 million against the cap, which is probably ultimately the move that they have to make. But yeah. the difference next between year. what the Falcons have right now and what the Saints, and even you want to say the Rams are very top-loaded, the Packers are very top-loaded, the Cowboys are even very top-loaded. All, mm -hmm. all of those teams have six plus players that have 5 million available via cut or trade. Guess yeah. how many the Falcons have Ugh. next year? It's two. It's Matt Ryan, who you've already decided you're not cutting because yeah. you don't have a quarterback anymore, and Grady Jarrett. So you have one move that you can make. The Saints freed up their 100 million because it, it did help to take 25 million of Breeze's salary off the books. Yeah. But they made, they made, eight moves that cleared up five plus million because they had contract flexibility. And guess what? They still have that contract flexibility next year. So it looks bad on paper, but they knew what they were doing from the standpoint of ability to create that space. And the Falcons, Thomas Dimitrov just did not, they you're at the red line right now and there's no movement available. Yeah. So Julio bottom line needs to, to go. go which brings us to his potential teams so um i'm just going to start off with the teams with the best odds so um you know the, the odds change a little bit depending on where you go but um so we don't need to get into like the exact numbers per se uh but 49ers have the best odds raiders then slight drop off patriots slight drop off chargers titans ravens colts packers are how uh, are the packers even in this conversation <laughs> yeah everybody's saying that, that you're that they're going to win over rogers by bringing in julio and guess what Devontae adams isn't under contract next year if i'm if i'm rogers do i want Devontae, who i've had success with for the last couple of years or do i want an aging Julio Jones to come in. You're not keeping both of them. The, 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 the Packers are projected to be the most over the cap next year. So they already have to make moves. Well, and I don't even understand how they would pull that off. So they, they have basically 2.4 million in cap space. Um, 
there you have to well that that's the ironic thing is you have to restructure con uh contract for rogers and in that restructure you probably have to take money away from him so you're looking for all rogers is crying about right now is a commitment to him beyond this year and yeah. what you're going to say is okay we can commit to you beyond this year we can pay julio jones 23 million this year 19 million next year 19 million the year after that but the money is going to have to come from you and guess what we don't have any money for adams anymore yeah so it pulling that off it, yeah you're right the fact that that's they're just even going after that's just going after packers fans that are high on trying to salvage their their season because uh we'll probably get into it in the next pod but rogers could very well be on his way out yeah very true so i mean that's that's the one thing to really keep in mind here with the betting odds too is that they're trying to get money into the market uh with with how they position the odds with some of these teams so uh, a Packers fan that's feeling a little optimistic, you know, at plus 1500 for Julio to be on the Packers next year might be uh, throwing a few bucks down. And it, there's also just the um, it's the narrative element of it, too. Right. It's that Rogers is unhappy. Let's get Rogers some weapons. OK, this really awesome weapon just became available. But um, I think we're both in agreement there that yeah if you if you look at their really. cap numbers there they would have to cut probably five of their cut or trade five of their top players outside of the only person they could cut to free up space for julio would be Devonte adams yeah which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole exact move in the first place so uh yeah let, let's just lop the packers off here um they're gone uh starting at the top of the list it I'm just going to give a few thoughts on, I guess, some of these teams here. But the, the Niners, they make a lot of sense uh, because they have available cap space to absorb the salary. Um, Jimmy G can be moved off the books at any point and save them $24 million. Um, Is he that obviously, a move that Shanahan would make? Uh, that's, you know, I don't think so. I think that's he one of the for, keys. He played for Shanahan. He had two of his best years under Shanny. Yeah, but I mean, it would be a nice piece for Trey Lance, right? You're talking about the support system for a young QB. It'd be a nice piece for him for sure. But um, I'm not really sure that's how they want to be building out the roster. They, they've, you know, invested um, some draft picks and in, in guys, you know, as recently as last year with Brandon Ayuk. And, uh, you know, they've got Debo Samuel and it, sure adding Julio elevates that that group but um i'm not entirely convinced that would that's a move that they would you know be willing to move around and and lose financial flexibility for but the other element of it is they just gave up so much draft capital to move up and get lance that they really don't have a lot to offer um you know if you're assuming that the niners are good again which most people do and the betting markets do then you're your best draft asset you could give up for him is like a late second rounder. I don't necessarily think that's going to get it done. Um, I, not that Atlanta is in a position of power here, but I, I do think that there's in a other bidding, teams in a bidding war. They're not going to have the same compensation to, to provide because again, they, I, yeah. they were in the super bowl two years ago. They could very well be in the super bowl in the very near future. And that was kind of the situation where the the we thought that Justin Fields wasn't going to be able to be, uh, we'll call it bought by the Bears because if you put him on that roster, all of a sudden you're going from a 
late teens, early twenties draft pick to a, a high twenties draft pick, and the and the drop right. off in the first round is is very substantial as far as talent and return in trading for somebody that's going to be a perennial playoff contender. A hundred percent. So it, all those things sort of add together, and I just don't, I don't really see the Niners making this move ultimately. Um, I think their their cap space puts them in the conversation because they can absorb it right away and won't have to deal with it. Uh, also, I, worth noting for anybody not aware, but uh, the team that acquires Julio is taking on his uh, guaranteed salary for this year. So 15.3 million dollars is what you would need in cap space in order to to make the trade. Well, they they talked about seeing Garoppolo's contract as an investment in Trey Lance, right? They're like, okay, right. okay, we're not cut, we're not cutting Garoppolo because he's actually a valuable mentor, valuable potentially development time. Don't have to throw him into the fire right away, and we're willing to spend that fifty million dollars on getting Trey Lance up to speed if we need to keep Garoppolo on the roster the next two years. And with that in mind. I don't think that paying Julio Jones 23 million is a bad developmental move for any of the four teams that just drafted uh, a top 15 quarterback. There's a, a recency bias for sure. People think that, okay, Julio was hurt. Um, fantasy stats typically drive the metrics of success. And he has only had one season of double digit TDs in his entire 10 year career. Mm -hmm. He missed seven games last year. He's only missed four in his previous six seasons. It's not like he's in totally an injury risk. He's averaging 15 yards per perception, six yards per game. He has been on pace to have 1500 yards per year on a per game basis for his entire career. And yeah. the dude that's, an, that's an invaluable asset to either. We'll start with Trey Lance, Trevor Wils or Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, or Mac Jones. Yep. A hundred percent. And it, it, now that we're sort of talking through it, I mean, the fact that the Jags weren't on this list, <laughs> right? It's, it's just, it's absurd. I, I, I mean, unless they're that high on Tebow. <laughs> yeah. Th they're putting all their eggs in the Tebow basket in the year 2021. That's, I don't think it's going to work out great for Trevor Lawrence. If that's the case. I mean, they, they have 39 million in cap space. They could take on Julio's contract and not even blink. And, and and it's not that they're probably going to be competing for a championship either. So the Falcons should value draft picks from the Jaguars, the Jets, the Patriots and 49ers are supremely discounted in that in that because they have a chance to compete and the other rosters are just so far away that mm -hmm. that I, I don't see how they're not the odds on betting favorite. Yeah. And even if you don't think that Julio moves the needle for the Jags and it's like, okay, well, why spend that money? It, you're talking ultimately right now about ensuring that Trevor Lawrence's transition into the NFL is as smooth as possible. And even if they're, they don't make any noise in their division or anything for the next couple of years with Julio on the roster, that's without a doubt going to help Trevor Lawrence. So, um, I'm with you. I mean, uh, if I were the yeah, Jags, I'd be pulling that trigger. Right back to saying you're investing fifty million by keeping Jimmy G on the roster. You're yeah. giving them a solid target to get confidence up in. I think nobody needs that more than Zach Wilson in the market that he's working in. Because one, two bad games, 
And he could be seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold did for his entire, his entire career in, in New York. Yeah. And to that point, why aren't the jets on this list? You know, the jets have a young quarterback they're trying to protect. They are sitting have a here strong at- number two in Corey Davis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you, you push all those guys down the, you know, a rung, right? And all of a sudden they're in better positions, better matchups for them. The Jets are sitting here with 25 million in cap space, you know, 15.5 and ineffective cap space. And, you know, they have the ability to absorb his contract right away. And they have a lot of draft picks uh, because the Jamal Adams trade, they could flip the Seahawks first rounder next year. And that would probably be one of the better picks that, Atlanta I don't even think they need to go that high. I think it's a second round pick because they're the number four. They're the number four team in that division. You're talking about the Bills. That's true. The Dolphins and the Patriots. And that means the Jets are going to be bottom of the AFC uh, East barrel. And what we've seen in that is that guarantees pretty much a top 10 pick. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, so that could be a top 35, top 36 selection pretty easily uh, as a second rounder. So and it, low risk, right? right? Because that's mm-hmm. why that's typically why future draft picks are devalued because you don't know where they're going to be. But yeah. with the Jets, you're pretty confident that at least next year, it's still going to be in that top 10 of each round. Absolutely. So the fact that the Jets aren't mentioned here uh, just also it's blows my mind. Jets are going to jet. They're not, they're probably not going to pull it off. Um, and I, I, I don't understand how you, that's the biggest jump the jets could take at this point in the year. Yeah. No other, no other free agent pickup trade, whatever you want to call it is going to move the needle as much as getting Julio Jones onto that roster. And again, we're talking about New York. We're talking about marketing opportunities again and merch sales. And if you're Joe Douglas, you you know, you've just went through this transition period with your team. You got rid of Sam Darnold. You drafted Zach Wilson. Fucking make a splashy move. And you know, ESPN would be losing their minds. You would be the top story, you know, pretty much anytime you did anything. And it just seems like a no-brainer, but you're right. Jets Jets are more than likely going to jet, and uh, this is not a situation that they should pass up, but we'll see what ends up happening. So, you, would think the, you would think the betting markets would reflect that, right? Like the same way we were talking about the Packers fans wanting to be a little too optimistic and throwing money down. You're talking about New York. You're talking about the Jets. You're talking about Jets fans. Why wouldn't you put them high up on the list and get people throwing money at it. Even if you didn't think it was going to happen. I, I mean, you're also talking about a fan, t- fan base. That's probably pretty dejected in their, their accomplishments since <laughs> Sanchez came into the league and surprisingly Oof. went to an AFC conference championship. Um, still not sure how he pulled that off. That was, that was a tough time for me. Uh, but since then you, you want to say Zach Wilson's, you know, the, the, the next savior, but they, they haven't shown that. And I, I, I just think that that fan base is, is depressed as far as the betting markets go. Uh, yeah. maybe optimistically they want to, they want to think that they can succeed. They want to think that Zach Wilson is, is the next, uh, Broadway Joe, but 
when it comes to putting their money where their mouth is, they know that they're still number four in that division. Yeah, that's a good call. Also, quick side note, uh, I was looking up um, rookie quarterbacks uh, making their first start and uh, winning their first start like of week one of their rookie season. Quarterbacks, I will rephrase, quarterbacks that started week one of their rookie season, how many of them won in recent history? Um, Sam Darnold, Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith, all the Jets won those week one games all very convincingly. And I just think of like the high that Jets fans must have been on after making those selections and those guys, you know, winning those games, thinking that they were set up for the next decade to. Yeah, they're they're on a 737 max. They think that this is going to be the future. And then they're like, software glitch. Uh, We're going down. (laughs) Yeah. It hasn't worked out so well for them. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe all that is added up and they're, uh, they're not really in the betting market these days. But I mean, so we, we talked about the top four are the teams that drafted rookie quarterbacks. And I think that it, all of them, it, Patriots included should be in on Julio Jones. I don't think the Patriots make the move. I don't make the, think the 49ers make the move from, a uh, value added perspective. I, th- I think Julio would be great for the development, but doesn't move the needle on a wins basis. And that's those, that's what those two teams are after at this point. But then after that, you don't think it other, does with the Patriots. Uh, I, I, I really don't because I, I, I'm not sure that I don't think that they're developed. I don't think they're ultimately investing in Mac Jones at this point. I think they're still dealing with Cam Newton. So you've got a two tight end set that they're going to be running. They've got Nelson Aguilar over the top. They've got Kendrick Bourne over the, you know, running the Welker Amendola type of routes. And there's a spot yeah, that doesn't for, excite me. No, it doesn't excite me either. But I don't think that throwing Julio into that mix with how much money they've invested into the receiving core right now, Aguilar's 11 million. The two tight ends are 10 plus million. You're throwing, you're throwing 50 plus million into your receiving core at that point. And who in that receiving core would you say is worth that type of money right it's the same reason the browns are technically able to make this move but i don't think you're paying obj 18 million a year and julio 23 million a year to to get it done i just think that they've already invested too much in the in the pass catching market and you can't throw another 23 million dollars at it in contracts that again you can't move on from yeah but don't you think so Belichick really, you know, his track record with drafting wide receivers uh, has obviously been. I don't think he's drafted a wide receiver. What do you mean? What about Nikhil Harry? Name a wide receiver. Nikhil Harry. I I still haven't heard a name of a wide receiver. (laughs) What are you classifying him as then? I mean, left bench. Um, okay. So yes, I, we talked about the skill, the success of the Patriots with drafting skill position players and wide receiver is absolutely abysmal. Um, so they're not getting, they're not getting that out of the draft, but I don't, I just think that they've invested too much money in two tight end sets and overpaying Aguilar by at least 3 million, if not 5 million in his market. And you can't, you just can't continue to rack up those contracts on on Julio Jones, which again, it's twenty million for he'll be a thirty three year old wide receiver the year after next. Um, it, it, 
you're, you're develop you're, I go with Julio. If I have a young quarterback that I'm developing and I think that they're sticking with cam. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you could be right there. I mean, I think now would be the time to do it given that cam, uh, is on such a cheap deal and, you know, let's say the cam thing flames out and then you move on to Mac Jones. Um, you know, he's obviously on his rookie deal. So you have, I think a little more money, uh, that you can allocate to the offense because of that. But I, I get what you're saying. I mean, Julio's cap hit next year is 23 mil. As of right now, the Patriots are looking at around 25 mil in cap space. So you pretty much eat up all of that, uh, by adding Julio to the mix and that's with cam gone. So if you do want to bring Cam back, uh, you're in a tough spot. They, they have flexibility. You know, there, there's plenty of guys that they can move around and do things with to create a little more space. But um, yeah, m- maybe it's not the best for that. Aguilar's numbers, 15 million next year. Hunter Henry's numbers, 15 million next year. John O'Sea's yeah. numbers, 13.75 million next year. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne's is 6 million next year. And that's where I just don't think you can continue to throw another 20 million on top of that at, out of Julio Jones. But then you, you start getting into this idea of like sunk costs, right? Like why, why not correct your mistake? Um, and you know, it's still early, right? We don't know that these are mistakes, but, um, you know, if you had, you're investing 15 mil in Nelson Aguilar next year. And if you're telling me I'm going to pay Nelson Aguilar 15 mil or Julio Jones, 23 million, I mean, that's a pretty easy decision to make. Um, I don't know. They could cut Aguilar. It was a bad bad contract. They haven't evaluated that position well. They can cut Aguilar with a $10 million dead cap hit. And that means you're basically investing 30 plus in Julio if that's what your trade-off is. And I just don't think that that's practical. But getting into who actually it would be viable that is does not have a a rookie um, Mm -hmm. under center potentially this year. You've got Lions, Chargers, Colts, Washington, and then I'll even throw the Broncos in there. For some reason, everyone's considering the Broncos wide receiver core as as a very deep position. And I I mean, yes, they've got people out there, but with the number of Judy drops that he he has, um, I'd rather another Alabama receiver under, under, uh, or to throw to, but I I see, I think a lot of people are high on the chargers and I I don't see, I don't think the Colts are like the move, but I think that is the one that moves the needle the biggest. Is it well, the, how, take the plunge? Uh, you're talking about moving the needle as far as like wins and wins losses, losses for 2021. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're probably right. Um, you know, they can they could absorb his cap hit right now. Um, they're in a really healthy financial situation uh, the next few years, but they just traded their first for Carson. Well, it will likely convey to a first pick. Um next year for Carson Wentz. So when you're talking about ammo for them to throw out in a trade, if they're expecting to be halfway decent, you're talking about a mid round second, uh, middle second round pick. I I don't know if you get into a bidding war, you know, if that's going to win it for you um, necessarily. So that's, that's kind of why I'm not sold on them per se. Um, I don't think this moves the needle as far as uh, big wins or changing the dynamics of a division or anything like that. But the team that stands out to me is the Raiders. Um, they would have to clear cap space. So, it, you know, all caveats here, they're, they're, 
they would need to get rid of about nine million in cap space. They don't have any super obvious cuts, but the one thing that they do have available to them is uh, Derek Carr, and they could restructure his deal. This is a hundred percent the type of move that John Gruden would make. I don't think he would have any issues giving up a first rounder for Julio. Um, the only issue there would be Gruden needing to commit to Derek Carr and either restructure or extend him. And um, I would do it if I were them personally, but um, it's another team that's been struggling to find a, a strong wide receiver, right? They drafted three in the top five rounds last year, hoping to again, move the needle and it did not happen. Yeah. So I, I, this to me is a total Gruden move. Like, you know, he wants to make splash. I would moves. disagree. It's not a Gruden move because Gruden's moves are ground and pound. And that's why he's paying three running backs in the top 24, their contracts. He's got, I mean, he just signed <laughs> Kenyon Drake to what, uh, what, what, what it ended up being. It was 5.5 million a year on average. Um, so paid him $11 million. You've still got Josh Jacobs on his rookie contract. And then you're paying Jalen Richard, who's a third down yeah. only, not even, I wouldn't even consider him a, a, a true third down back. It's a change of pace back that you're throwing in there at the, at the, just to give somebody some rest. If you've got Jacobs and, and Drake in there already, and you're paying him three and a half million. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Oh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, dude. They are just playing a completely different game than everybody else. Um, what's Julio's uh, track record as a blocker? I mean, I know he's a big physical dude, but is he known for being a good blocker? I can't honestly think of a, a time I've heard one way or the other on that. Um, you I, can, you, I, yeah. You can not, convince Gruden sure that either. he's a big guy that'll get out on the edges and block for his running backs, and that, that would be worth the move for him alone. But I mean, from a scheming standpoint, at the very least, he's he's set up his second receiver for for a lot of success. He's got he's had Mohamed Sanu, uh, he even Russell Gage is a third wide receiver. He he if he's not a great blocker, and I don't have the the pass blocking ratings in front of me right now, um, he's at the very least opening it up for other people on the field. Yeah, and uh, Julio and Darren Waller in the same offense, I think, would be a lot of fun. And and Derek Carr has really taken a step. I mean, I'm, I don't know why they don't commit to him. Uh, it it's a little insulting, honestly. Like that they've got a guy that's. I'm not saying he's a a top. Well, he's he's probably borderline top ten, right? Like maybe and ten to twelve ish, something like that. I mean, he's, yeah, he's definitely competitive from, from that standpoint. And I, I, I mean, he was on an MVP style season four years ago, right? If, if you're talking about reinvesting in Matt Ryan, why not invest in, in Derek Carr? And to your point, it would be fun to see Julio Jones on, on the offense with Waller. It'd be fun to see Julio Jones on an offense with Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, but it can't happen because the cap numbers are too high. And I think that that's the same situation the Raiders are going to run into, that they they can't clear up enough space to justify this move. For sure. Uh, just to point back real quick to the blocking, uh, Julio's PFF grades as a run blocker are decent. Um, 72.3 last year, 80.4 last year. Not not elite, but um, you know, not not bad overall so uh i think you could convince john gruden to make that move as it's better than a glorified Grady, blocker it's 
better than Grady Jarrett's uh, r- run rush uh, run defense grades. So uh, <laughs> if you're going to pay somebody that much money, then I'd rather pay Julio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, the Raiders make sense to me um, as sort of the team. Uh, that's part of that group, you know, in, in the top odds that can be, uh, you know, not not a dark horse. I mean, I think they're, what are they? They're the second, <laughs> they've got the second best odds. So I'm not necessarily going out on a limb, I guess, when I say that. But um, I, looking at all these options, they're kind of the one that stands out to me. But the caveat is they need to commit to Derek Carr and they need to use his contract to move a little bit of money around. But I could well, see I th- them doing that. I thought D-Hop was ready to move money around for for Julio. Yeah, you know, it, that's a, a really fun thought, um, especially if you're a Cardinals fan. Uh, I don't deny that. If you had those two guys um, on the outside, I mean, good fucking luck. But again, we, we've mentioned it a couple of times here at you with a couple other teams and, and receivers like Devonte Adams and green Bay. It's like, are you really going to get into a situation where you're paying two guys at receiver that much money? Um, it just really handcuffs you from a roster flexibility standpoint. And I just don't know if they can, they could really afford to do that. I mean, they have 13 and a half million in cap space right now. Um, I mean, it just really it really bothers me that anything can be put on the internet. Like anyone can just start a podcast. Um, <laughs> like that would be great if we had an NFC All Star team at our receiving core. But yeah. how the Packers and Cardinals are even in the conversation right now with their cap situations and the other needs that they have is absolutely beyond me. And <laughs> Julio is not saving Aaron Rodgers to the Packers. No. Uh, he definitely is not. And I don't think he is going to be the piece that the Cardinals get that puts them over the top in that division. So I, yeah, I think we can eliminate them unless uh, there's something here that I'm missing. No, it would be, uh, I'm, I'm not high on Murray and it would be disappointing to me to see how successful Murray would be with that all-star lineup. <laughs> but it, it, it would just, it's like putting it's spending money to cover up the real problem. And if you have to invest in an, a one, a wide receiver and a one B wide receiver at 15 plus million dollar numbers, I, I get the Rams kind of do that, but I, there there's, there's a little bit of a unique situation. Um, you're, you're, that's not where the value is on your team wrapping up, wrapping up money in, in that position, or at least wrapping up money in two at that position. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can make an argument to me that, you know, you, you only have Kyler on his rookie deal for two more years. So, you know, if you're going to blow out the, the, I guess, roster flexibility, um, by paying two wide receivers a shit ton of money, now is the time that you do it. And then you find a way to move on from Julio, uh, in, you know, once you have to pick up Kyler's fifth year option, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it would be fun as hell. A, do you run into a Deshaun Watson situation and uh, all outside circumstances aside, you had one of the best wide receivers in the league propping him up. I'm not considering him one of the most accurate quarterbacks. Um, he's definitely athletic. He definitely has talent. But are you only paying him because of what he was able to do with 
D hop there. And then look at what his numbers were when you had the field spreader and Will Fuller off the, off the field, right? He, his numbers dropped drastically. And that's what I think you would end up with in, in Kyle's situation where his numbers get propped up based on having two elite wide receivers. And you don't actually get to understand whether or not you've got a franchise quarterback at the helm. Well, I don't know if Watson is the best uh, example to make your case there. I mean, he he balled out last year, and he had nothing going for him. Yeah, he um, balled yeah. out, and that's why he's not playing this year. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna touch that one. Um, which also a little punny, but anyway, um, yeah, it, you know you prop up Kyler Murray and he puts up these massive stats. And then all of a sudden you end up paying him a lot of money. Uh, in a few years, you have to restructure everything. And yeah, I'm not sure. Um, backing up the Brinks truck for Kyler Murray is the right thing to do. So you're right. Maybe saving they're saving themselves from themselves by not going out and getting Julio. Um, Again, fun to think about DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I, I love when players, you know, get on social media and sort of stoke the fire a little bit. I love DeAndre Hopkins doing that, uh, but I just don't think it's really worth our time uh, to think about him going to the Cardinals. Sorry, Cardinals fans. Yeah. So bottom line, is Julio gone from the Falcons? I think he has to be. I mean, it, it won't be till June 1, obviously, but I think he has to be. I think he does too. Where does he go? I'm going to say. Hmm. I'm going to say Raiders. I think he should go to the Jets. I think he ultimately goes to. The Colts. Okay. Okay. The, the Colts are definitely there. I think they're. I think that I think they want to prove that Carson Wentz is their quarterback, and they need to surround him with more talent. I don't think that it's a a a move that GM would normally make because, as you said, they've been in a very good contract situation for some time. But if you're trying to sell that Wentz is your savior, then you want to put the most talent around him that you can and they can afford to do it and they can do it cheaply because I don't, you keep talking about the bidding war. I don't think that it's ultimately a bidding war because the Falcons are desperate. We all agree that Julio is the only move that can happen short of yeah. cutting Grady Jarrett. So at least you're getting something for Julio versus just giving up on your interior defensive lineman. So what gets it done if you're the Colts? Um, obviously you're second rounder, uh, but do you have to sweeten the deal then uh, because of, you don't have a high-end draft asset necessarily to give them. Like, do you think you have to throw in a third rounder? Could you get away with a second and like a fourth and a fifth or fourth or fifth, something along those lines? I think a two and a four can ultimately do it. Um, it'll be the it, the advantage the Colts have is they are in a different conference, so um, yeah. that 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 helps them out. Um, and the Jets, if they want it, will have have absolutely a better offer that they're able to make. I just don't see that management team being competent enough to to pull that off. So uh, to me, the Colts are a better option than the Patriots and the 49ers, which are the other two that could potentially be in the bidding war. Um, you can throw the Raiders in there. I think they've, they've got a lot of other moves to make. 
which makes it difficult, right? If you're looking at teams that can pull off the move, move day one, it's kind of like buying a house all cash versus, hey, let's get my financing involved, right? And yeah. if a cash offer today on the table means more than saying, okay, we'll take the risk that everything else works its way out. Yeah, and you talk about um, a move that, you know, or acquiring Julio and how it moves the needle within a team's win-loss record for next year. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty solid boost for the Colts. Yep. Um, you know, you look at the AFC South, that we know the Texans aren't doing shit. Um, but the, the Titans, it's like, you know, how how much stock do you really put in them as the kings of that division? Zero um, I now. Don't, <laughs> well, yeah. After getting rid of their two top pass, ca- I mean, not their two top pass catchers, but two integral pass catchers. Yeah, and that was nothing tough. to replace them. Uh, I think that the Colts have an opportunity right now. And if you look at the teams that are available, Julio Jones moves the needle the most on the Colts of any other team. Because I think from a development standpoint, you can argue Jets, Jags, whoever else has a has a first a rookie quarterback. But from a true wins loss perspective, I think getting Wentz, a true number one receiver, is going to be big. And they still have they still have uh, Pittman. They still have um, uh, sorry, blanking on the other names right now. Obviously, T. Y. Hilton, but I've kind of I've given him him up um, as a wash and a, a, a solid rushing uh, backfield. Like that is a team that would be scary in the yeah. AFC. Yeah, and uh, we've seen what Wentz can do when he has a good supporting cast. So um, I think you're right. I think if they make that move, I I think it's solid for them and everything that we've looked at. I mean, they're definitely a team that can make that move. Uh, My only question, uh, like I said, would be, do they have enough ammo if they are competing with some other teams? So uh, if there's not much of a bidding war, which, you know, I think we've kind of pointed out that a lot of these teams really aren't in a great position um, to, to make this move, then yeah, then maybe they can get away with a two and a four and call it a day. Um, I would do that all day, every day if I was the Colts. Yeah, no, it'll, there's definitely going to be movement post June one on this. So stay tuned. All right, everyone. Well, that will do it for uh, this episode with uh, the Atlanta Falcons and uh, the discussion on Julio Jones and where he might go. Um, We got another episode coming at you later this week that uh, we'll focus on another June 1 uh, trade candidate, although one that's maybe not as certain, but uh, one that is definitely just as big with the current quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. You may have heard of him. You may have heard that he's disgruntled and looking to get out. So uh, we will dive into that in a little bit more detail this week. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Uh, Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter at NPTFBall. Anything else before we go, Toaster? When's Aaron Rodgers' uh, Wheel of Fortune tryout? Oh, is he just going to make the rounds and hit up all the different? Yeah. Okay. Until the price is right. Until the price is right. Ba-doom-tsh.